this is the Fearless Fathers Podcast, a podcast for you, the fathers who suffer in silence every single day. Come with us as we hit those main topics that are just burning through your soul. It's going to get uncomfortable, it's going to be fun, and together we will become fearless. What's going on? All of our fearless family out there, thank you again for tuning in for another interview Thursday here on the Fearless Fathers Podcast. As always, it's your host, Davo, on the mic with you today. I have with us Tim Kephart on the mic today. This one's a bit of a, this one to me is a bit of a big one. Uh, just a quick overview, and he's going to introduce himself to you guys. Father of two, battled a lot of demons, came out of drug addiction, all of that, found his way out of that to become better, stronger, and fearless when it comes to it. Tim, say what's up to our fearless family. Hey, what's up? Uh, almost two. We're still waiting on that second one to come out. But yeah, uh, kind of know Dave from back in the days of the guard. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to add on to letting our fearless family know a little bit more about yourself, where you come from, anything like that? As far as me, kind of bounced around, but I'm actually down in the Philadelphia area. That's where I started. I moved up towards where you're at and uh, came back down this way, started getting settled in, trying to reconnect with some family and now I got my own family going on. Very nice. Very nice. So, Tim, to start this all off, uh, why don't you let our fearless family know uh, one thing, one best thing or funny thing that, you're, uh, that your child did recently? Uh, so, my son, he's <clears throat> Fortnite obsessed, like every kid. Uh, Everyone. <laughs> the other day, he, he, he was just, he wanted to go full sweat mode. So, it was down to him and somebody else on a solo. He dropped every weapon. <laughs> Had one weapon left and just one at it, and it was actually funny to watch him uh, actually win that match. But it was it was funny. He wants to be like the the YouTubers. <laughs> Man, I played a little bit of Fortnite. It's, eh, Battle Royale is not really my thing, but hey, I get it. It's it's an all right time, I guess. I'll take it for what it's worth, right? Our parents used to say the weird things about the games we played, so I get it. Yeah, I I, I get I get more obsessed about it trying to help him get through that battle pass. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So guys, we're going to kick right into this. Uh, can you tell us a little bit like about like how your family life was and how you were growing up and how that really like resonated with your parenting style? And, you know, can, can you just give us like a little, little overview of that? Uh, yeah. So me growing up was a little bit, it was two different households. I'm mostly with my mom and my grandparents, uh, did the whole dad on the week, every other weekend thing barely got to really know him at that time and I just lived my life with my mom growing up till I was about 12 uh, and then I moved up to the mountains I was up there visiting one weekend visiting my dad and uh, I was just like you know what I want I, to get to know these people I want to get to know my brothers my sisters because every other weekend I don't, I don't know them stuck around for a while <laughs> uh, about 10 years worth of a while and started to get to know them, starting to kind of see not just the family I grew up with, but now growing up with my family and my dad's. So I had that, that that's the two different household type thing going on, which mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people do. And I always said I would never do it. And yet here I am trying to figure it out myself. So I feel for my parents in a way, trying to figure all that out. 
yeah, it, it's always it, it always is one of those like really difficult things, right? Because you know I've talked about it before, and we've had many other guests on the show that have been not in the same situation, but in similar situations, right? Like we always wonder, like how could this be the one way? Like the parents figuring out or trying to do it while raising the kids and living on different sides and you know are they really understanding how the kids are feeling in the whole situation of things and how does it really resonate with them or is it just really more for their own personal gain it always seems like it's a back and forth no matter which way you look at it yeah it's tough because uh again i I said i would never i would never do that i'd stay with my kids mom and all that but things don't work out all the time and with that trying to juggle being available, trying to break that every other weekend cycle, trying to be there all the time if necessary. It was a big change from what I had that I wanted to make sure that, you know, he had a dad. <laughs> you know? Right. And and I think the fact too that, you know, you just wanting to be there and even though you, you know, we as parents, we always say we want to give better to our kids than what we had growing up and you you didn't want your child to know the fact of living in separate households you know being a child of divorce it's very difficult it weighs on you but in the long run too it always seems like that could be the best course of action depending on the situation at hand and kind of going back to your life a little bit here like was that the situation for you that you were just done being you know the back and forth every other weekend like you said you wanted to get to know your other side of your family like, can uh, I'm curious as far as like what what was your thought process behind that as far as what you can remember? I'm not playing child psychologist because I don't have that degree yet, but sure. <laughs> there there's there's things going on back at home that uh, <clears throat> I may not have recognized them then, but do now that may have attributed to me wanting to get out, wanting to find something else, and I, that may have been part of it along with just getting to know like again my siblings that. I barely knew with me. It's a little bit different. Whereas like my son, he had us together for a couple of years and then we mm-hmm. split up me. It was like right off the bat, but you know, I was born and they were done. So I didn't really get, a, not that he probably remembers either, but I didn't really have any of that, you know, mom and dad together type of time. Right. Right. And that's, and that's always tough too, especially like when you're at that young age, like that four or five, when the met, like I I don't know like when your parents split or when you know when you and your ex split, but you know I know going back like that four and five your first few memories, you don't really get to remember a lot of that or resonate a lot of that, and you just see the the after effect of what happens after they split, and it really it, it really plays a toll on your mind. Like again, not not playing the child psychologist role here, but you can really relate a lot of different things to a lot of different situations when it comes to that. It seems, yeah. We'll move on here with Tim today. Uh, As we talked a little bit in the beginning, Tim fought his own demons. We all fight our own demons in one way or another. And Tim's demons were that of an addictive lifestyle. Can you take us a bit through that? Yeah. So uh, I was aware of my somewhat of my family history. So uh, back to, you know, those, those things that went on that, may not have been at the front of my mind in my decision to leave my mom's. Um, but she picked up, she, she had an addiction of her own had, has, I don't know, but she 
was kind of on that train. So when I heard that, I was like, no, anti-everything. I'm not going to do any sort of drugs. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not going to screw up my life. Lo and behold, once it's presented to you, sometimes you give in. I was just kind of going through, I guess, like a time of depression. Now I just, I just said, screw it. And uh, it was just basically set in front of me. So I, I gave it a try. And this started my road down just partying. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't an addiction. I wasn't going to admit it. It was an addiction for a long time. Sure. But yeah, that that was starting off putting air quotes out here, small, to eventually trying other things, getting more involved into it, to where you know I had a full blown heroin addiction, mm-hmm. spanning from the start to the end. What was that? Two thousand eight, like I'll say at least seven, eight years going through all that. Wow never really never really being in that life myself or never really even seeing it 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 always seems like there's that that major stigma that held to it of like oh well you had the chance to walk away from it and you didn't you brought something up there that really really resonated with me there was you know you were at a low point in your life you were at the you know a depressed point in your life where it was kind of presented to you and you know, at that point, like when you're battling depression, anxiety and all that, you know, a lot of your beliefs or a lot of what you know is true always just seems to get hidden in the shadows. And you're just trying to find some kind of tunnel or some kind of light outside of the dark tunnel that you're always constantly facing. And unfortunately, you know, you took that. Well, I say unfortunate, but I, th- I think we're going to be able to wrap this all around later on in the show. But you took something that you thought you saw the light to and it, I mean, it took you down, unfortunately a different road at this point. Yeah. So it was the way I decided to try and I can't even say cope with it, but try to deal with it that, uh, instead of figuring out other ways, I decided to pick something up and numb it away, push it away, drown it out, whatever you, however you want to say it. But like you said, wrapping it around it, people would say it's unfortunate. And it was, but it brings you to where you are. And if you can get out of it, it's, you know, you can look back and be like, you know, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be here. So there's, I will say there's some good that came from my, my personal situation. Yeah. And it and it's always that the universe is working for us, not to us. Right. Like we always say like, oh, why did you do this to me? Or, you know, God or whoever, why, why did you do this to me? Why did you put me down this path? And it's like, there's more for you down this road. It's just our journey. I always feel like it's our journey to find that next avenue for what it is that we're facing when we're when we're still in these in these difficult and sometimes seems almost impossible to get out of situations. Yeah, and and you have to get to a point out of that too to be able to see the potential of what's going on or why the potentials of the whys instead of thinking everything's just against you. Right. You know, and, and like just touching back to you said that stigma of you know, people saying you chose, you chose. I struggle with that line, you know, because I, I did choose, but I do understand the there, there's something more to it because once you choose, it's hard to get out of it. So right. initial choice, but the ongoing, it becomes a much, <laughs> much bigger monster that you just can't escape. Sure. And kind of, uh, kind of going on with that, like, as we're saying, like making those choices, as we knew you and I both kind of served together in the national guard for quite some years. Um, when you, 
(laughs) (laughs) Almost, right? Just, just there. So when you when you look at that, um, how did joining the military like shape you as you're battling all through this? Did you hap- did you did you happen to see yourself getting better at all? So as far as the military experience and that whole life, when I first got out of you know all the training, basic all that jazz, is actually where it first started. And I'm not blaming the military. I, I wanted to mm-hmm. go back full active. I didn't want to do the guard because I was, I felt like I needed to get right back into where I was, but. It all, everything just kind of all happened at, at that time. So mm-hmm. I was doing my partying, secretly getting into a struggle point. And I, I don't know if you ever remembered the history of drills. I may not have looked the best. Right. But, you know, I, I was struggling through that time to where, again, I almost made it to that six. But during that, anything related, I couldn't care less or I could care less. Once I got out of it, I started to see, you know, that that whole leadership acronym coming to light in the way I lived. That it, not that I necessarily pulled it from there, but looking back, you know, I was like, oh wow, I'm applying these in my life now. Now that I've gotten over this or past this. Yeah, it's crazy how like hindsight really is 2020. At the end of the day, I mean, you know, you look back and like a simple acronym, and for you know the the soldiers out there in the army, that leadership acronym, you know, you sit there and you're like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. And then you realize like, Oh man, I, I do apply a lot of these or it was like the universe was setting you up to say like, Hey, this is where you're going to be going. This is what you're going to be doing. You don't realize it right now at that point, you know, we as just human beings, it's a natural fault of ours that we, that we always live either in the past or the future. We never really seem to live in the now. And we always seem, and I do this too, we always seem to have a really hard time of picking up on the signs and everything going on around us at that current time. And do you kind of feel like that was the same for you? Yeah. I'm, uh, it's going to be an ongoing struggle of trying to stay out of the past, trying to look to the future and kind of just staying stuck in that day. Absolutely. So when you're looking at that now, can you take us through, you said you almost hit that six year, that, that first enlistment. Can you take us through what your mindset was like, like how Tim Kephart was when you found out that you were, that you were being discharged from the military and just short of that, that first enlistment? Uh, I, I didn't care. Kind of already meant to prepare myself. I, I tried, I tried everything to try and make it not, not, not come back. Um, not everything, but I, I We'll just say I tried some stuff. Right. And I kind of just prepared that it was coming. And I was so now into past that partying stage, into that addiction stage where it just, like I said, it becomes that bigger monster that that is numbs past to the point of just no care. So I was there. You know, I had a little bit of, I was a little upset when it happened, but, you know, I didn't really care. It was, it was my way out. I could stop going to drill weekends. I could, you know, do what I wanted to do. I could go not worry about having a drug screen every month i could do what i wanted you were just more of a shell of a man at that point and just saying man i I don't really care like yeah i know it's happening but you know now i could just be me and not have to worry yeah definitely um and it continued for years after that just existing to get what i needed to get to disappear can you take us through like your thoughts and how how you were battling all that when your son was born like what what were your emotions going through 
when it came to that time? Uh, so when I knew he was coming, when I found out his mom was pregnant and everything, <clears throat> I was trying to battle through it like every weekend for a month. And anybody who's listening who knows about trying to get off something that you're you know, the withdrawal, it's terrible. It's debilitating and it is just horrible. So trying to do that every weekend for a month and then pick him back up the following week because I just can't do it. It was it was taking its toll. Um, fortunately, a lot of people in addiction would say that sucks, but fortunately, the family I was staying with caught on and I was given the option of get out or go to rehab. I took obviously the route that didn't leave me homeless and got out. You know, I was clean. I was doing, well, I say clean, but I was, I was on a maintenance program and I don't know if you know what that is, but like suboxone maintenance, um, to try and battle with cravings and everything but i wasn't i wasn't using um, right i was being prescribed medication i was doing dosing correctly i wasn't trying to abuse it and it works for some people not everyone you know I, I started working back where i was at before i went to the rehab and just really started getting into it uh getting money saved up to get a place and pick up that role of being a dad and you know going to have a room for him you know not not crashing at my aunt's and then trying to stuff him in there too. Like right. I got the apartment together, got the supplies together, the boxes of diaper clothes prepared. I was doing good and I was excited to be a dad. And so we were prepared. We were ready. And then he came and it was good for a little while. So at the beginning I was good, but yeah, after, after he came, things kind of started to go back down to where I was. Um, and that's where I look back. I learned that you can't use a person as much as people want to use a person as their motivation or their, their goal to stay clean. It can only be a portion of it. It can't be the reason. And it always seems like that's the way too. And, you know, I say unfortunate, but I know of at least another friend of mine who had a similar path that you were on as well too. And really just watching him go through the the similar struggles that you're talking about here today on the show i mean it, it's encouraging to me it really is because this is something that never gets talked about it's always pushed off to the side to just say oh well you're a deadbeat well it's a choice well you know you're the one that screwed up your own life so why do i have to worry about you and to just come on the forefront and just say like yes i made a horrible mistake you know, when your son was going to be born, like using that as a motivator to say, I want to get clean. I want to become better. And that always seems to be the stuff that people never see, right? They always see the stuff in the forefront. They never see the background. They never see the internal struggle that somebody's going through to try and fight these demons, to try and break them down and to say, no, I'm going to be better than this. And I mean, you said it right there. You can use a person as a motivator for so long, but you're going to need something more to really push you forward going through it. It really, really overstepped those bounds. Yeah. So while, you know, a lot of people, they don't want to hear necessarily a recovery story. They, they kind of just, like, like you said, it comes down to you chose, this is your mistake, these are your mistakes. There are those select few that 
mm-hmm. they stick around. They're they, you know they, they do get proud. They do they see the good that you can do. And so while there are a lot of those that hold on to that past, there are the ones that can see the now. You need something greater than something you can physically touch to actually get you to a point of being recovered or necessarily always say recovered because there's always chance, but in recovery and successfully. Yeah. I I like that, right? There's always that, you know, you're not fully recovered. You're in recovery because you're right. It's a constant battle. It's a constant struggle to, you know, to to fight that every single day. It's like, I'm not going to put it hand in hand with mental health, but like that, that's something that's similar to me, right? You know, fighting your mental health every single day to not fall back into that same spot that you were, that same feeling, that that numbness of like the depression and the anxiety. That that's probably the closest thing that I could correlate it to. But it really all it's almost parallel in a sense. Nowadays we don't seem to really be, you know, picking fun much of or saying, Oh, well, mental health is is this is it's more in the forefront, right? But we take addiction and we say, well, addiction is your own is your own doing. Nobody cares. Or like you said, there's the exceptions to the rule, right? The ones that actually want to see your success story and want to see you recover. But it seems like we're almost we're almost so far out from seeing that brought into the forefront like we are now, like mental health, would you say? Yeah, and you said you're not going to group them. Group them. Go away. <laughs> I would... Uh... I can't put an actual statistic, but probably 9% of people who go through it are dual diagnosed with some sort of mental illness. It's mm. like I said, I, I use it to cope with depression and they go together. It's just a matter of how deep you get into it. So yeah, it's, it's right there neck and neck with the mental health because wow. if you're using there's, it's something mental health related. You didn't just pick up to sure. Cause, Cause you enjoyed it. Sure. I feel like this is a this is a good way to really bring it around for you, right? You talked about going to rehab and kind of being out there and going back. Can you go through what really got you out of that like rehab roulette cycle? Yeah, so uh, I did my first my first rehab, um, and I did a couple more, and it was the first time I went. I grabbed a Bible, brought it home with me, never opened it ever, and then. I brought it with me every time I went, but it wasn't until the third time that I actually cracked it open and started reading. And as I was reading it, it was also at the same time my dad was trying to get himself together. He has a past. He has a history. He's had to do some recovery of his own. And he was trying to get me into, uh, it's called Celebrate Recovery. It's kind of like your AA and a 12-step program. Sure. But it's Christ-centered. So. They don't use higher power. They're straight up Jesus. So you know who your higher power is and you don't have to, you know, code it for everybody to accept. Gotcha. I picked that up and started reading it. And along with that, and they kept hitting on the word mindfulness, just using that, the mindfulness aspect that they were speaking to us. And then reading the Bible, I started to kind of get an understanding for the Bible and for Jesus and for God and all that to where when I came out this time, I actually started going to the Celebrate Recovery and started working on some healing. Uh, At the same time, that healing also involved telling my son's mother that we couldn't be together anymore. 
that we had to figure that out. But I continued on that path mm. in my findings of Christ and just searching him out, searching that all out. And in that time, I had about seven months clean, which I want to, which was my longest run of clean time. Uh, but then I got complacent. There's another one of those, those values. Yep. <clears throat> I got complacent, got stuck in, this is kind of boring. I'm just doing the same thing every day. Got around to people that were using, said, you know what, I'm going to do it too. And that first use, I actually OD'd because being off of what I was using for so long, we knew I wouldn't be able to handle the same amount. But right, even the tiniest amount that I took, I went instantly, I was in a breathing arrest. I wasn't breathing. They were driving, blowing through red lights, trying to trying to get me to a hospital. Unfortunately, I started breathing again. So I like to chalk that one up to God um, because you don't just stop breathing and then start again. Right. But even in that, I continued, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to use even even less this time. And I, I did that and I did that and did that. And my tolerance built up to where I'm back to where I was. And six months later, I'm <laughs> doing what I was, you know, a year ago. And in that, I was just lost in it. I didn't care. I was hiding it. I was in my eyes. I, can't even say in my eyes I was doing fine. I I I, <clears throat> I threw God away, and I picked back up the needle, and I was just continuing on. Um, I was actually in the hospital at one point for a, a staph infection in my knee, completely unrelated. But I was doing my thing in the hospital bed, did too much, passed out. Nurse came in, found me, and cops were called mind you on while while this is happening i'm on ard because i've already i skipped that part i was I, mm. I got locked up for a little bit um but i was on ard and then after i got out of the hospital continued all my using route to eventually just uh given a hot urine and going back uh it's jail and in that time while i was there i took it as a timeout I uh, picked back up a Bible or found finally got a Bible that was actually really hard to do while I was there. You would think in jail it should be the easiest thing to find, but sure. it wasn't. I had to wait a couple weeks. Uh, but I got back in, started taking back in, and people can call it coincidence or whatever. I think it's kind of funny, but uh, in my time there, I was pushing. I was pushing so hard to just get out and get back home and just. I could say I was digging back in with God, but I wasn't digging back into recovery. So I just wanted to get home and I probably would have used if I would have gotten it my way. I was trying to convince the lawyer to, you know, try and use this argument, try and do this, try and do that. <clears throat> Until finally I just gave up. I literally just gave up and handed it up to him. And this is where I, I think it's funny is, uh, you know, I ate the last of my soup. Use the last of what I had food wise, like snack type stuff. Right. Am I giving up? And then that morning I get called that, you know, I'm moving on to my next stage. So I'm getting out of jail, but I'm going to be going back to rehab, final rehab. So I like to think that in my actual giving up, I was like, I was moved up to, you know, the next step. By giving up, you were getting out. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> in, in a way. way. I got a, got a in foot a way. Out. <laughs> right. 
but yeah, that was that was that was the final rehab. I moved up to uh, it was it's still a de- Department of Corrections type deal, but you know mm-hmm. it's, it's rehab. And by this time, I was you know back on track with you know my seeking Christ and all that, and uh, actually brought the idea of the celebrate recovery to that rehab to where you know if anybody that's listening has ever been or knows anybody that's been there they have aa meetings na meetings within uh that they started to bring you know celebrate recovery in or allowing them to go out to celebrate recovery so it was giving more of a christ-focused option versus just the higher power but yeah that that was it that was February 2017 that I left there. So it's only been three years, uh, going on four. But I was re-centered and focused on what I needed. And that was, again, people say higher power, but that was Jesus. That was God. And that's what's kept me going. With those other motivators, such as my son, uh, my wife, trying to be there for them. But if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. Because like I said, I I chalk it up to him that I started breathing again. That right there is an unbelievable story. Like we talked about, you know, this was all going to get wrapped up. I said unfortunate about the addiction, but it it all wrapped everything up. And I really, I really want to hit a a couple pieces that you said there. Mm -hmm. You went right into your first round of rehab. And what'd you do? You picked up a Bible and you didn't even open it. Now, for a lot of people, they would be thinking like, well, why would you even bother doing that? When I look at that, that, that's like setting up the precursor to something that you didn't even know was happening. And you just felt this sense of, I need this with me. Like that was just that that thing that was just going to help you get through. You go through a second time, same thing. Third time you go through the old adage, oh, third time's the charm, right? I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> right? The third time you're there and you start opening it, you find this Celebrate Life program and you find Jesus and you find God and and you find that motivator or that extra motivator to carry you on to getting out of this, out of this addiction, or to at least get you into that process of getting out of that addiction, I should say. And you talked about it, mindfulness, right? Yeah. I say it all the time. I'm big with the universe, the universe, God, Jesus, whatever you believe in, right? There's always something there. I don't believe many more in coincidences. I believe the universe has a plan for us, believe Jesus has a plan for us, right? Whatever you believe, there, there's always that, that strong foundational belief that you're being set up for something more, and it's our jobs to figure out what that is. You brought up mindfulness, and just having that mindset of saying, I know I'm worth more, I know there's something more out there for me, I'm going to find out what that is, but it's going to take some time. You brought back, like you stepped back and you went back to using after being clean for about nine months, I think you said. Uh, it's like seven, but yeah. About about seven about seven months. And what happened? The tiniest amount you OD'd and you stopped breathing. And like you said, Jesus woke you back up. And and that's a firm belief that doesn't happen. That you don't hear those stories often. When you do, it's very rare. But they're always like one in the same, at least I notice or that I pick up on. You wake back up, but what happens? You go, you start using again and you build a tolerance and you go back. And I'm listening to the story and like you're going to jail and you're trying to get back to a Bible and you just want to get out and you want to go home. 
but you knew that if you went home, you were going to do things your way and it wasn't going to be done the right way. All of this just melts together. People would see that on the outside. Oh, go figure. Another addict. He relapsed again. Who would have figured? Oh, he OD'd. He woke up. Well, I guess he got lucky this time. Oh, now I guess I got to go pay for his box and oh, go figure Um, you know, all, all this negativity, all these connotations out there that would just say, oh, this should never have happened. Screw that. I can't believe X, Y, Z insert your own here. Right. You know, I, I said it before, but like you had to give up to get out or like you said, give up to get a foot out the door. Right. Yeah. You had to just say, all right, that's fine. I know there's something out there deep down. This is going to happen. I'm just going to take a step back. And as soon as you started getting rid of everything, you know, your snacks and all your food, you were then on your next path of that final rehab of getting out and really, really putting everything together that said, I found Jesus in rehab. I took a step back and I, you know, I fell off and I, you know, as, as they say, like I fell off the flock and I, I kind of went my own way. I had to be herded back in that. That's the exact story that Tim dealt with here. It was, it's that rise and that fall, that ebb and flow of life. It's that constant battle within ourselves internally and externally to do what we feel right. When something wrong happens to us, we're going to end up taking a step back, whether we like it or not at times and refocus, recenter, accelerate, motivate, and dominate ourselves to become better and stronger. So even though you took a step back, that allowed you to propel yourself even further than if you were able to do things that you wanted to do yourself instead of just waiting the course. Yeah. I had I had to take that time that was given. <clears throat> I had to take the time I was given. It's not just like I said. It was, it was like a timeout, right? I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Uh, uh, while while everybody while everybody else is you know like we we talked about just okay to give up. It's it's almost like a reset. It is, and having that time to read and remember is just like Jesus literally died for my sins. He died for my use. Although he doesn't want me doing it, he died for it. So he's there for me. While we talked about that, you know, everybody else will give up. Everybody else will say, well, well, now I have to do this. You know, look, there's another junkie that OD'd, which, by the way, I hate the word junkie. Uh, Sure. Sure. (laughs) But while everybody else is doing that, there's this man who 2,000 years ago decided that he was going to take that burden for me and while everybody else may give up, there's a hope in him. There's hope in that. And it was that reset time to remember that. I've seen this myself and I've done this myself. We fall into, again, I'm going to use the word mindfulness. We fall into that, oh, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm building up. I'm building up. I'm building up. Oop, I fell off the track and now I'm sliding down again. And we feel like once we get down to that level and we plateau, like we, it almost seems like we have a hard time building ourselves. And really all that is, is just another test to say, hey, this is your success tax time. This is for you to say, here's the situation. I want to see you get out of this. It's not as worse as you were in a sense, but it's at the almost the same level. And we're going to see how much higher you can come out of this once we get through this obstacle together. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I was better off in a sense, first rehab, 
that I was last rehab, but then at the same time, the flip. So, you know, I have something to go off of while I may be struggling to find work this time. I have a recovery going on while I'm failing. I might've had a job. So <laughs> I can't say financially stable because that was a joke. Um, right. <laughs> but while I had money coming in, I didn't have anything to recover with. Like you said, it's been about three years now. Have you have you seen that as far as like a better relationship between maybe your ex and your son, or like like you said, you have a new a new child coming. So, do you see that as like a new motivator now? Being like, I'm three years out of this. I, I went through such a horrific thing. Like, how does that shape with you mentally now going into this? Uh, so three years is great. And I'm not going to, I'm the one that brought it up that you can't be recovered, but you're in recovery. Mm -hmm. I can't say I struggle with the addiction in a sense of drug addiction. I may substitute in other ways, but I know where it'll take me, especially uh, knowing tolerance issues. Three years, it's it's game over. Right. Um, But in my recovery, I don't worry about that. I do worry about more of a overall sobriety. So being sober isn't being clean. Being sober is like a overall type thing. So like changing your life up completely to be an example, fall into, again, that leadership acronym, fall, <clears throat> molding your life to be an example. So while I'm doing well now, I'm trying to focus on those things. Uh, my relationship with my son is great. Uh, we we actually, me and my now wife, we moved from where we were, which was like an hour away. So I would get mm-hmm. him every weekend, driving up and back every weekend, every weekend. We decided, you know, we need to be more available. And she agreed. We moved. So now we're 10 minutes down the street from him. That's amazing. Uh, we, we left everything behind for him. So like any, any. Any of her friends, she has to go visit now, but now we're here for him. Our focus is to stay close, to be there for him. Uh, relationship with baby mom, not the best, probably never will be, but that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Right, right. But me, my wife, we're you know just trying to do everything we can to be a, I don't want to say successful because everybody's success is different, but to be successful for Christ. Now we... Again, that molding, trying to change, being available for our children, having stability. That's all thanks to three and coming up four years and what's to come. Oh, absolutely. That's amazing just to hear that story. Like It, it, it gave me chills. And just knowing you for, for many years and kind of falling off and kind of picking back up again, I mean, just to see where you, where you were and where you came from, I mean, it, it, it's truly like awe-inspiring to me. I know we didn't touch much on this in the beginning of the episode, but really, you know, I call it the the rags to riches, so to speak. But I mean, you came from such a difficult position, such a tumultuous journey for what would be considered for a lot of people where they feel stuck and they can't go anywhere. And I mean, now you're working for a Fortune 500 company. So, I mean, if there's somebody out there who's listening today, any member of our fearless family, old or new, who who just needs that piece of advice, what's something that you would give to them if you if it was just you two in a room? So cliche, but don't let your circumstances define you. I 
kept trying and trying and trying, hitting an indie, picking up what somebody would actually take me with. I don't know how true it is to the whole your background gets screwed when you get discharged like that, but it was hard to find a job. Mm -hmm. Um, And somebody who's in my position, it's going to be hard because there's a pretty fair chance that they're going to have a much worse criminal record than I do. But you just got to keep plugging at it and keep trying and keep trying and not giving up and not falling back into that mindset that got you where you were. The only reason I'm at where I'm at now is because we moved to be with my son. So not to say family's the focus, but keeping your family in mind and what you do, that's important. But also keeping in mind your higher power, it's, that, that, that's important too. Don't let your circumstances define you. It, it's a cliche for a reason, but it's true. You know, fighting every day. If getting better or being on top or being positive or having, you know, mindfulness or ju- just that different way of thinking was easy, everybody would do it. We all do it one way or another, I myself included. We all fall into negative thinking traps constantly because that's just how we're built. That's how we're formed as a, it's ingrained in our DNA as a species. And it's up to us to really take the challenges that are presented to us and say, no, I'm destined for more. No, just because I fell down this hole does not mean this is who I'm going to define as. It's knowing who your past is, not becoming your past, but making sure your past never comes out of reach. You're just a step or two ahead of your past to remind you to get better, to build stronger, and to ultimately become the best person you know you can be at the end of the day. And I, I, think, that's, I think that's big for everybody, especially for people in these situations. Looking at that, we talked about it a little bit here in the beginning of the episode, Addiction is not the same stigma that gets talked about like mental health or anything like that. So I'm a big believer that the more you open and the more you communicate with people, the more you're going to find different things to help build you and to help break that out. And if this was something that was like in a normal, you know, normal discussion for people, the stigmas of addiction, parenthood and all that, do you feel like you, you may have become cleaner sooner? Yeah, that's. I don't know, because it was, it was the battling the mental illness. I think mm. if I had opened myself up to other ways to do that, may not have been much of, even talking about this, I, you know, I did go through a program. I did try and join some initiatives and knew it was open to talk about, but I still, still fell back. I think it comes down to the, the mental health. Not going to keep killing your listeners with Jesus, but <laughs> I, it really he, you know, had I had I known him, and had I known what he did for me prior to, or you know, much sooner, had I opened that Bible the first round, it may have taken two or three versus four rounds to rehab. You know, it's. Right. You have to have that reason. You have to have the understanding. And I'm and with the belief of him again, knowing that it was for me and for whoever, what you do wrong, your sin can be forgiven and accepting him that you can find that comfort knowing that he accepts. So not to go on a complete tangent, knowing it was safe to talk about it. Again, like I said, I, I did I think it was helpful 
be able to do it, but I don't think that would have helped me get cleaner sooner. Um, openly talking about it, though, anybody who's going through this, just do it. You got to own it because it is a part of you. It doesn't have to be something that looms over you. But surprisingly, when I share the story with people, get more congratulatory anything than, oh, well, good job. Hope you keep it up. There are a few that are like that. And surprise, sadly, some are family. But a lot of people, you know, they like to hear that. They like to hear the success, the recovery. So not letting it weigh you down, but sharing it, not just for yourself, but for others. You know, testimony is like the most powerful thing to hear that somebody else has gone through this and has been successful and has done well. However you see again, successful can help somebody else. Couldn't have said it any better myself, man. Well said, great words, you know, open lines of communication are truly, truly going to help sharing that success story. Most people want to hear a good, a good underdog story, a good success story at the end of the day. So being comfortable enough to step out of that zone and really fight tooth and nail for what it is you have and knowing that any challenge comes your way is, you know, ultimately one that you can win because, you know, you're not going to get any more than what you could handle at any one time. You get handed what you can handle, even if you think you can't. That's it. So I hope you guys took something out of this today from Tim. He dropped a ton of amazing value from battling where he was to where he is now it it truly is an underdog story it's truly inspiring one way or another whether you've battled with addiction yourself you know somebody battling through it or you're fighting your own demons one way or another right tim didn't let his demons define who he was he easily could have but he didn't allow that to happen so tim as we're wrapping this all up today fearless father style to end it up in your own words can you tell our listeners what it means to you to be a fearless father uh to be a fearless father is to be just that that role model to be a teacher to be a friend to know the boundaries of them both if there isn't those two things especially the teacher the kid's gonna be left in the dark i'm gonna have to start tuning into some of those youtube videos myself from that guy because my son wants to do things i have no idea <laughs> right I'm like, i don't know how to i don't really know how to go fishing but if you really want to i'll try and figure <laughs> it out just being there i mean everything else should fall into place and holding on to what you had as a father to know how you want to father i love it so there you go guys tim I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast, man. This was really eye-opening. It was honestly, truly inspiring, and I'm really glad you agreed to sit down with us today, man. Thank you so much. No problem. Guys, again, I'm going to say it. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. I hope you took something out of that. You know, Keep fighting your battles every single day. We say it all the time. Take it one step at a time, one day at a time. You're not in this fight alone. We're, we're getting louder than ever before in this journey. You know, continue to support this movement. Let your friends, let your family know about this. Share this word. Let's build a stronger community where we can open up and talk about things like this, where it's not completely uncomfortable or taboo to just say what's on our minds or to really feel alone in a battle that others are facing every single day. I know this isn't easy for a lot of you, and we're all growing and we're all rebuilding at our own pace. And that's perfectly fine. 
Just continue to make those small micro steps to get better. And you're going to have amazing things happen to you. Continue to support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You could go to our shop at fearlessfathers.net. Check out there. Check out past episodes. Leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, our Facebook page. You can find us there at Fearless Fathers Podcast. Just continue to go out there and just spread this word, boys. You know, let's let's get this louder. Let's get this going. Let's just get the stigma of fatherhood broken down to where we can be strong enough to be vulnerable. Your kids are learning and growing every single day. Just because you're an adult does not mean you can't do the same. We are in this fight one step at a time, one day at a time. And together, we're going to embrace the fear. Fear.